Welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. This is episode number 134. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing. I'm doing okay. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. This week on the show, we'll be getting Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on to review The Drop. The first time ever, me and Ernie. Yeah. It's exciting. Film Pulse first. Film Pulse first. <laughs> we should make that a thing. <laughs> and we'll also be talking about Lee Janiak's Honeymoon, which just landed on Video On Demand in Select Cities. And, of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on Video On Demand, and DVD and player releases. First up, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I started off the week with Angry Video Game Nerd, the movie. I take it you're not familiar with the web series? Uh, no, videos. no, I'm not. Well, no. I, I started watching these way, way, way back. The This guy, James Rolfe, started making these YouTube videos back in 2004 where he would basically play old Nintendo games and review them, but he would only do bad ones, like really bad Mm -hmm. Nintendo games. And back in 2004, this was completely new. You know, now you have tons and tons and tons of people doing similar things. And I always thought that, that his videos were pretty funny. And he, over the last eight years, he's been working on this movie. And finally, mm-hmm. the movie is out. You can get it on demand right now. And it's it's okay. I I think that if you're a fan of the series, you will like the movie. I think that it's a pretty ambitious film in what it tries to do. The interesting thing is it has a... a it's a very it feels very meta because one of the big things that he always got requested to do or to review was the ET game for mm-hmm. Atari and yeah. he never did it and so kind of what this the plot of this movie is is that he gets this overwhelming uh outcry for him to review the ET movie and then there's this video game publisher that decides to make an ET2 and they decide to make it intentionally bad because they see how many views that his his videos get and how people are now seeking out these terrible games to play. Mm-hmm. It's similar to movies when you think about yeah. it. People seek out bad movies to watch. Well, it's it's similar with video games. And they hire the angry video game nerd to promote it and what they decided to do was go out into the desert the new mexico desert to try to locate the landfill where all of the et cartridges were supposedly buried now unfortunately since this movie was made they actually did excavate the landfill and they did find all the atari games (laughs) so that's kind of unfortunate because beat them yeah yeah but that's the basic premise. There's this whole thing where the government gets involved because they see them out there and they think that they're trying, they're up to no good. And it turns out that the Atari ET game was secretly a map of area 51. And it was just kind of clever how they put it all together. Now 
the movie itself is not very good. I would compare it to, I mean, they, they weren't trying to make it look amazing or anything. All the, almost all of the effects are done practically. So there's like miniatures being used. There are puppets and all that stuff is really cool. There's a lot of nods to old Godzilla movies where there's giant creatures destroying city buildings and things like that. So it is kind of a throwback to these old monster movies. And so is it, it sounds like it's kind of deliberately. It is. It is deliberately hokey. So if you're into that, if you're into the intentionally cheesy stuff, then check this out, especially if you're a fan of the web series I thought it was mildly entertaining. A lot of the humor that comes in the Angry Video Game Nerd uh, episodes, I'm not particularly into. It's extremely lowbrow, a lot of it. So, eh, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily into the humor. I didn't find it that funny, but I think that fans of the series will find it very funny. It just really wasn't for me, but I did appreciate what what they went through to make this movie. I mean, you can tell that it was really a labor of love and I can appreciate it for that. Certainly. Hmm. So if you want to see this, it is on Vimeo on demand. Yeah, I do not. Well, I wasn't talking. I know you don't want to see. (laughs) I was talking to the listeners. Uh, I saw Pontypool. Did you ever see Pontypool? Of course. feels that you did. Yeah. Okay. Canadian horror classic. Yeah, 2008. This is one uh, Netflix Instant right now. And I was a little trepidatious going into this one. So I'm like, okay, let me just do like a cursory glance at who's involved here. So director Bruce McDonald did the Tracy Fragments, which I did not like at all. So uh, still not too sure about this. Then I see it's written by Tony Burgess based on his novel. See what else he wrote? He did Septic Man. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I was, again, yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But damn, was this a pleasant surprise. Well, see, that's this, why that's why I, I watched Septic Man. Because I was like, oh, okay, I, well, I really like Pontypool, so check this out. So I would, I would gather that Pontypool is better than Septic Man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're making a sequel to Pontypool. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. I don't, I, was just, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, I was completely blown away by this one. It, it's been a long time since a horror film has kept me on the edge of my seat, like, the entire time. I was just fully engaged, completely captivated by the whole story. Well, just, I, I th- it's, it's fantastic. I think that one thing that people should know going into this is that it's a zombie movie, but there are no zombies in it at no. all. It all takes place in the basement of the radio station with shock jock Grant Mazzy taking no prisoners. Who is in Septic Man, by the way. Oh, he is? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a reverse War of the Worlds Orson Welles type, where instead of the radio play causing the panic, the outside mm-hmm. action that's going on that you don't see is causing the panic, and they're just trying to report it, yet they can't, they can't you know, really back anything that they're hearing well they can't find like any solid leads well the other thing that is so interesting i I don't think it's a spoiler but the infection is not spread through bites it's spread through sound 
Yes. And I think that that's... Sort of like a semantics virus. I think that that's is, something that's pretty interesting. It's very interesting in the fact that they just, like, they deduce that in such a short amount of time that you're not even sure if that's really the thing. Like, yeah, but there's they don't, no evidence. Yeah, but they don't figure out that, what it is. They don't figure yeah. out what... They know, they don't know what the sound, word is. But they don't know what that yeah. sound is. And they think it's the English language and only the English language... Which, yeah, very interesting movie. Very, it's it's, a, it's it's a small movie. It's a very subdued movie. Yeah, I think it's a perfect example of less is more, in my opinion. Like you, do, you barely see any action. Oh yeah, I mean it's all it's contained, just all, all contained within that that uh, but, radio station. Yeah, but I mean they booth. do a perfect job of building up that tension and just the confusion of it all. Yeah, it's just oh man, I, I love this one. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's just that you need to know what to expect. Yeah, going and you into know, it. This this is how this is how I know that this is a good movie. Okay, this is a like you said, it's a small horror movie with not much action going on. You only see a little bit of the. Yeah. They don't really call them zombies. I forget what. I don't even know if they give them a label at all. I don't. I don't remember. <clears throat> but I did not take one cigarette break during this movie. So. Boom. <laughs> there you go. That's a win. There you go. Come on. Are you kidding me? Because uh, usually with horror movies, we take a smoke break like halfway through and we're just like. To recharge? Got to recharge? Like, what, the what the fuck is going on here? Where are they going with this? But no, it's just edge of the seat the whole time. Just wanted to see where this sucker was going. And I thought that they wrapped it up quite nicely too. So you, did your wife like this one? She loved it. See, she absolutely loved it. I remember seeing a. Uh, she wrote something on Letterboxd where she was really railing against horror movies. Is she is she starting to to come around? She's starting to come around. She that's she's good. Very she's very particular when it comes to horror movies. That's good. She doesn't she doesn't like that low budget shit. Well, she don't like Pontypool's low like budget. It. I know, but they do it well. They they know their limits. Now did she and did they, she watch Resolution with you? She did not watch okay. Resolution. Right. I think she would have liked that one though. I think it's Maybe. hard not to like that one, honestly. Uh, kind of kind of sticking with the subdued movies. I saw one that I think I don't know if you saw this. I didn't add it on my letterbox yet, but okay. uh, it's called Manakamana. Oh, the uh, the documentary mm-hmm. type. Mm-hmm. So. This, yeah, I want to see this. This is made by the same people that did Leviathan. This is that that company that I don't know what they are. Are they a collective or just a? They're like a. Oh my god, what are they? Like an anthropological department, or something? Yeah, because I think well, that like the directors of Le- but Leviathan are actually like uh, college professors. Well, this is the next one, and it's basically. Man, this is such a Kevin movie. <laughs> the whole time I was watching it, I was like, this is a Kevin movie through and through. The entire movie is a is it's one shot. It's a, it's a single take movie of now there are cuts, but they hide them. So it's, you know, supposed to be one continuous shot. A camera is fixed inside of a cable car in Nepal, and all you do is watch people riding to and from a temple okay. in the mountains. And each trip takes eight and a half minutes. And 
all it does is it just the camera just sticks sticks on uh the people that are that are riding the camera doesn't move it just stays where it is and films what it sees and so is it is it filming both like people going to the temple and, and from people coming back okay so the movie starts outside of the of the car and then moves into the car and from that point it stays there and so somebody will get on it'll ride up or down they'll get off another person will get on and it'll go back and forth and it does it 11 times yeah and oh, so you follow the people the whole way you follow it's real time it's all done okay. in real time okay all right so this is certainly not a movie for any for for everyone. Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, it is slow, slow because it's all done in real time. A lot of the passengers don't even speak at all. They just, they're just the first two passengers are a kid and his grandfather. That's what you see on the poster, the cover of the movie. Yeah. They don't speak to one another at all, and. Okay. So for the first maybe three or four trips, I was I was like, okay, I see where they're going with this. This is going to be tough. But it's interesting because it's the type of movie where as you're watching it, it's almost hypnotic as you're watching it. And, you're, and you just all of a sudden become completely fascinated with what's happening and what's unfolding. And you become more and more invested in it and you're just like what is what is going on here and and I mean plus you can see outside of the car so everything that's yeah, happening got the landscape there yeah everything that's happening behind them is breathtaking i mean it looks amazing and so you see all this this great huge like mountain landscapes happening behind you and then inside the car you have these really intimate personal moments with these passengers and I, I just found it so enthralling. And even though some of the people don't even utter a single word, it still had me fully invested. And the the type of people that go on this, I mean, it's really varied. So it starts off with the grandfather and the son, and then it's just a woman holding a bouquet of flowers by herself. And then you have like these kind of metal heads. They're, they all have like long black hair and wearing metal t-shirts and they're just taking selfies the whole time and they're chatting it up. And then you have these three old ladies that are gossiping and they're chit chatting away. And hmm. at one point it, when you hit, when it gets to the station, it gets dark and you can't see what's going on. So you never see the people getting on or getting off. Okay. So you don't see who it is until the car actually starts moving again. And at one point, the people get off, you, this, the car starts moving, and it's just full of goats. It's just a car full of goats. <laughs> and you just watch these goats taking the trip, eight and a half minute trip. Hmm. But probably one of my, my the, go, the goat one was good, because that was kind of silly. It was funny to watch these goats. <laughs> but my favorite one was this this woman, she was probably a middle-aged woman, and then an elderly woman, I don't know if it was her mother or not or who it was, but they were eating ice cream going 
on the trip. And it was just so funny to watch them struggle to eat this ice cream. And it was like, because <laughs> it's like a really old woman. And it was dripping all down her arm. And she's trying to not let it get on her clothes. And it was just funny because the, the younger woman was laughing at her. And it was just such a, it was just such an amazing small moment between two people. Oh, and by the end of the movie, I was just like, this This was incredible. I mean, I've never seen a movie like this before, and I loved it. Hmm. But I yeah, will, I've will. i been wanting to see this one for a while. Again, I will say that it is definitely not for just anyone, because it's... Uh, it's, it's yeah, oof. it just sounds like all the other movies that come from... Because this is a... The company from Harvard University, wherein, you know, they just essentially put a camera there and just film real life. Yeah, I mean... Like, they don't really do anything else. Yeah, and I love it. Leviathan, I still liked Leviathan more. There There was a lot more going on in Leviathan, so it was... And I thought that visually, Leviathan was better. Yeah, because, I mean, that turns into, like, a whole experimental... Yeah. ...film on its own... Yeah, just organically, which is bizarre. But I still, I still recommend this one. It's it is two hours long, so you do Ooh. you do feel Ooh. the weight of this movie. Feel it. But uh, the whole time sorry. I was watching oh, it, I was just like, "Oh man, this is this is definitely for Kevin." It's right up my alley. Yep. Uh, two hours of nothing, <laughs> nothing going on. <laughs> uh, wow. So, yeah, Mana, it's called Mana Kamana or Mana Kamana. Right. Check it out for all your yeah, right. for all your cable riding enjoyment. <laughs> Nep- Nepali needs. Oh, jeez. I watched a a classic considered to be one of the best films ever. That's The Red Shoes, 1948, Palin Pressburger, back at it. You and your Palin Pressburger. Dude, I'm going through them. Going, going through these going through P&P the archers what's up uh the red shoes okay ballet movie nope so right off the, right off the bat i'm like i don't want to do this i just i don't want to do it and the build-up okay so in the beginning it starts out there uh anton walbrook plays lermontoff he owns his ballet and they're putting on shows and stuff and a young composer catches his break as does a young ballet dancer and it's sort of all this build up to them finally getting their first shot, which is the red shoes. The composer gets to make the score for the red shoes and she and she gets to dance the lead in it. So everything up until that point is just kind of, to be honest, it's kind of bland. And there's not much going on visually. The acting's outside of uh, Anton Woolbrook. You know, it's serviceable. But man, once the ballet performance starts, I don't know what the hell happened, but... You get, like, sucked in. You go on this trips through some sort of weird cinematic portal where it transports you to this magical, meticulously crafted dream world, and it's insane. It is just some of the best filmmaking I've ever seen. And then it ends. And then you're back to the original story, which is predictable, really. Hmm. I mean, you've seen it before. I mean, the character development is just completely glossed over. Like, after they do... The, the the red shoes performance um you know everyone loves it 
and they start doing all these other ballets and it's like a montage after that of them just working on the new ballets and stuff and then after that's over all of a sudden the dancer the lead dancer and the composer are in love who you never get to see it you never see it develop they're just all of a sudden they're in love and Lermontov is just pissed off about it because he's a cold cold man <laughs> and then it gets to the end where she she ends up having to quit, and so does the composer, because Lermontov just isn't having it. He's not going to have these two around. He's pissed off that they fell in love, and he thinks it gets in the way of artistic expression. So she comes back, and she decides to do the Red Shoes again. This is like years later. The composer has done a new opera, and of course, it's the same day. He's opening his opera, and she's going to dance in the Red Shoes, which she didn't tell him about. So he leaves to try and get her to come back, gives her an ultimatum for some reason, even though he left right at the beginning of the performance of his opera. So he's not making it back in time to do his opera anyways. So why doesn't he just stay and watch her do the red shoes and then go home? But no, gives her an ultimatum because out of nowhere, this guy's a huge dick. And then she turns into a sovereign, a so, yeah, sovereign, <laughs> sobbing, sovereign. Okay. a sobbing pile of hysteria and throws herself off of the ledge. Hmm. Which you're just like, what, what, what the fuck? Why, why, why did that happen? Which hmm. this is, so this is two Pell and Pressburger movies back to back that ends with a woman just going into hysteria and throwing herself off of a cliff. So apparently during like 47, 1948, Pressburger was just not good with female characters. He just didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> he just. How are we going to finish this? Uh, <laughs> let's have the dame kill herself. That's how they talked back then. <laughs> That's exactly how they talked. But the, I mean, this movie is close to, like, I couldn't give it a 10 out of 10. Like, it's a 9.85 out of 10 just because of that middle portion where you see the performance of the Red Shoes, which the music is unbelievable. The cinematography during that section is just amazing. The, and usually you don't really get to talk about this. But the set design and costume design from Hein Heckroth is just unbelievable. It, there's not words for it. Words don't exist to describe what you see. It's just unfortunate that the two outer portions, the beginning and the end, are just very lackluster, in my opinion. Hmm. But, you, I mean, it's a must-see just for that middle, just for that performance. Uh, I probably won't be seeing this. No, you're going you're gonna <laughs> to see it. Just, uh, not... Yeah, not for me. I watched the trailer just now, and yeah. I mean, maybe someday you could try to talk me into seeing it again. That day's not today, though. <laughs> Fine, whatever. I saw one that may not be considered a timeless classic. Yeah, like uh, the Red Shoes, but it's a classic nonetheless, and that's the Town that Dreaded Sundown from 1976. Directed I mean, by Charles B. Pierce. It's kind of close to The Red Shoes. Mm, a little bit. Not really. Eh. I love the title of this movie. The, I know. The Town the Dreaded Sundown. So this is a really weird movie. This has been on my list of shame for a long time. A lot of people talk about this movie as being this classic horror movie. It takes place in 1946 based on a true story of a serial killer that... that terrorized Texarkana, Arkansas. And 
it's uh, this is such a weird movie. It's not a horror movie in the traditional sense where when you see the cover, you just think, oh, this is it's like a slasher movie. You know, these the, the slasher movie back then was starting to bubble up. And this is not a slasher movie, though, in the in the traditional sense. It's more of a police procedural. So there are scenes in the movie where the killer who wears a, like a, a bag, a sack over his head, where he That's kills, he, he does kill people. There are scenes where he's stalking people and then killing them. But most of the movie is actually centers around the police that are trying to track him down and f- getting leads and, and sussing out who's doing this and, and trying to stop it from happening. And the way that they do it, it's so ridiculous. Like, there's one scene where the one deputy dresses up as a woman. In she he, he dresses up in drag in order to <laughs> to bait himself to try to catch the killer. And there's all these really goofy moments in the movie that don't seem to fit, but at the same time, just make it so <laughs> odd. It's a really weird movie. I really enjoyed it though it's pretty well made another thing that kind of another weird thing about it was that there was narration through the whole thing there was a narrator in this movie who was kind of retelling you about the real story as this happened so it Mm -hmm. almost feels like it's a docudrama where this they they were trying to make it be what really happened now i don't know what was fictionalized because it seems like a lot of this (laughs) there's just no way that that's really how it happened there's one scene where the killer it he goes after a bunch of kids on prom night and the kids are running away he picks up a trombone off the ground why wait why is there trombone? because he's going after there was this is in 1946 so Live bands played everywhere, and <laughs> it's just live bands. live bands everywhere. Fucking everywhere. I wish stray, it was 1946. Stray, stray live bands. You just have everywhere. You have a local. This is in Texarkana. You got a local prom, and you got a full-on brass band playing at this prom. You just don't Hell see yeah. that anymore. Nice. So he goes after the trombone player, and the trombone player runs away, drops his trombone. Killer picks it up, straps a knife. To the end of the oh, trombone. Geez. I'm not kidding. This this actually happened in the movie. He t- he catches a girl, ties her up to a tree, and then plays the trombone. And as he's moving the uh, oh, the thing in and out, it's, he's stabbing the girl with it. Oh my goodness! Uh, that scene alone is worth I seeing this movie just for that one scene. It is ridiculous. That is. That seems like a lot of trouble to yeah. go through. Yeah, and it was funny because after the scene, there there was a meeting between this Texas Ranger and one of the other detectives that was working the case, and and I think they were talking to a criminal profiler, and they were like, "Why did he do that with the trombone?" And the the profiler guy was like, "Because he's insane." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, well, there we go. <laughs> they were really straightforward back then. One of the things that caused some major eye rolling on my end was the the way that the victims acted they 
it was like they just couldn't get away from this guy. I mean, they were like falling. They were not struggling at all once he grabbed them. It just seemed so ridiculous. They just, they seemed so helpless in this movie. I just wasn't buying that at all, but it was a minor quibble. Overall, I think that this movie is an absolute must-see for horror fans. I'm slightly ashamed that I haven't seen it up until this point. Scream Factory put this out on Blu-ray. The transfer is really good. It looks awesome, especially the narration. When When I popped this in, I thought that I was doing something wrong. Like I thought maybe I turned the commentary on or something. Mm-hmm. When I first started watching it, because the sound is so s- crisp, especially on the narrator, that I thought it was actually a recorded commentary for the movie. And it took <laughs> me like two minutes before I figured out that, oh, no, it's actually part of the movie. So oh if you're interested sure. in this, check it out on Scream Factory on Blu-ray because it looks really good. Um, what, so what do you think of the the remake oh, that's the, coming uh, out? Yeah, actually, I should mention that. That's why I watched this, because I saw the trailer for the remake and I just, I don't know what to say about that. It looks like a pretty typical horror movie. And yeah. this is not a typical horror movie. This is more of a procedural. It's almost like Seven or something like that. Yeah. And the new one looks like it's a slasher movie. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, honestly. Slasher I'll, movie from the director of Glee. Yeah. An American horror story. Yeah. And the and the Carrie Diaries, so... Well, the the American Horror Story thing has me intrigued. I will be checking the movie out, but I don't know. I don't know if the movie is, the the remake is an actual remake or if it's just continuing the, it, the it story. Looks like it's, it looks like it's a continuation. Yeah, so it could be different, but I think it would be really interesting if they kept the same odd tone of now, this if movie. You, when you watch the new one, will you be disappointed if there's no trombone stabbing? Something tells me that they're going to have to put in a trombone stabbing, or maybe they'll switch it up and do some switch other do an, an oboe stabbing or something. <laughs> I would love to see an oboe stabbing. Oboe stabbing right through the neck. Also, another weird thing about this movie is that everyone seemed to be confessing to be the killer for some reason. There were three or four scenes where random people would confess to be the killer and the Texas Ranger that was investigating it was just like, nah, not him. It's not him. And I was like, why are all these people confessing to be this serial killer? Why are they doing that? (laughs) Oh my. Great movie though. Great movie. That movie sounds like a hoot. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to watch that in October. I think I just jumped up on my horror list. There were a couple genuinely creepy moments in this movie, too. Well, anytime someone wears, like, a sack over their head, I'm just instantly freaked there out. Was a scene I don't that, know why. There was a scene that caught me by surprise. Uh, one of the victims was getting away. That was the other thing. In most slashers, they never get away. There will be, like, one girl that gets away. Mm-hmm. In this movie, this guy is so sloppy, maybe half of the victims get away. <laughs> like, he just, they always get away. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. But there's, oh, there's a scene where he's going after someone and it's in a cornfield. And the way that they shoot it, they do the, one of those quick zoom ins. Mm-hmm. 
that, that I like and you hate. And uh, that, that caught me by surprise. But, yep, definitely check it out. The, the Town That Dreaded Sundown. I don't know when the remake is coming out. I think in October. It's coming oh out boy. soon, I think. Oh, boy. I know that it's going to be screening at Fantastic Fest. There you go. So, yep, check it out. Mm, I did a, uh, I revisited Full Metal Jacket, Kubrick Classic. Yo, Kubrick Classic. I was not impressed the second time around. I was just... I don't get it. That's just... Eh. I've seen Full Metal Jacket at least four or five times, and I just... It's, I love it so much. I, I, could just, I couldn't I couldn't get into it. Matthew Modine. My God. His performance is just god-awful. He's and the he Joker. Keeps doing that, he keeps doing that John Wayne impression. He's the Joker, just though. constantly, and I just want him to shut the hell up. And there's the cinematography isn't that great until you get until the uh, get to the combat stages of the film, like towards the end. But you know, through the first like two thirds of the movie, I had to put up with Matthew Medine's shit, and he's getting on my nerves. He's just I I'm sorry, but he's terrible in this movie. I didn't. Plus, I don't agree. Plus the I didn't think the uh, the dialogue was that good either throughout. I mean, they don't talk that often, and when they do, they shouldn't. No, they're it's just they're just they're. Soldiers. Just, just, uh, I just was. I wasn't feeling it. It's broad strokes, man. Broad strokes. Char- characters are painted with broad strokes. Agree to disagree for, on this one. No. Agree we're gonna, to disagree. We're gonna, no, we're gonna hash this fucker out. Agree to disagree. Side. No. I just. I what about D'Onofrio? What did you think of, of D'Onofrio? Private D'Onofrio was good. D'Onofrio brought it. I mean, was okay. was that scene not one of the most shocking scenes? It is. It is rather shocking. Okay. But I really wish he would have shot Matthew Modine. Would have made for a much better film, I think. That's... I just I I can't get behind Joker's character. I can't stand the guy. He's he's just it's a terrible performance. It's, he's just so wooden and stiff. What about the soundtrack? I didn't like the soundtrack either. Oh my I'm just, god! I'm I'm really growing to hate that. Surf and Bird. Surf and Bird. That scene is like one of my all time favorite scenes in a movie. The Dolly shot. Where they're playing Surfing Bird. I do. I did enjoy that side scrolling dolly work. That's towards the end there. Man, that stuff is that's that's some good stuff. And the single take handheld. You know when they're creeping up into position. That's fantastic as well. But it's just for me, it, it took too long, too little, too late for me. Sorry, sorry. Well, apology not accepted, Kevin. <laughs> but I think I did win, and you agree with me now. So no, moving on. Moving on, I saw The Dead 2 India. This is the sequel to The Dead. Now, the first one took place in Africa. That makes sense. Very. The first one was interesting in just how they created the movie. We talked about this just earlier today off off the air, but the the directors, Howard J. Ford and Jonathan Ford, how they went to Africa and got all these non-actors to be in this very low-budget zombie movie. I thought it was interesting, and they they did some really interesting things with it. I thought that it played out it played out like a typical zombie movie, but the location was different, and just the visuals I thought were different enough to make me recommend it to people. The Dead Two basically is the exact same movie, just set in India. Very similar plot. You have an American that's 
in another country. He's not sure what's going on. He he doesn't know the area very well. You know, it's it's not his indigenous land, so he's even more uh, uh, like segregated from what's going on. And of course, the zombie outbreak happens, and he needs to survive. He inevitably meets up with someone that's that is from the area that helps him. In this case, it's a young boy. That kid does a great job. the The American guy doesn't do a great job, and all the other actors are terrible. And that's how the first one was too, for the most part. Awful performances. Do mm. not see this movie if you have a problem with bad acting. Jeez. It, it. It must be really bad because usually bad acting doesn't. I don't. I never. Does yeah. Doesn't affect. You I that never much. talk about bad acting because you're very forgiving when it comes to acting. I am because except unless it's children, <laughs> then you just fucking lay into them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in this case, the kid was actually quite good. Everybody Uh-oh. else wasn't great. The main guy the American in this movie was better than the American in the original one, but everybody else was pretty terrible. Again, that's what happens when you get non-actors. There were some really tense moments in this movie. There's a scene where he makes it up to the roof of a building and he grabs one of those parachute, one of those parachutes that has the fan that you strap on your back. Okay. You know, and he straps one of those on and it was it was funny because it didn't it wasn't working right for him and he was really struggling with it and to me it was like that's that's how it would be in real life but in most movies where a situation like that happens the person straps the thing on and they're gone you know they're up in the clouds mm. but in this movie man nothing was working right he couldn't he got it started but then he couldn't get the the parachute to pick up the wind and he was just having all kinds of issues but he got it worked out so that was a very tense scene there was another very memorable scene where he happens upon a group of people that were in a car accident and they were trapped in their car and he tries to get them out tons of zombies come and he has to make a hard decision that was a really crazy scene and there was there was another scene where he gets trapped in a building and there's a whole bunch of zombies that are making their way in, but it's like a little shed. So he didn't have anywhere to go. And mm. you think that he's screwed, but he makes it out of there. Oh, that's good to hear. Light, very light recommend for me on this. If you're into zombie movies, check it out. Very typical plot. Not that interesting. I was, I found myself being bored several times through this movie, just wanting it to, hurry up i would like these are the types of movies that i think it's almost more interesting to watch the behind the scenes stuff to learn how this got made yeah i just always find your your recommendations very interesting <laughs> because i gave it a, because i gave it a like, light recommend and then i got, again i got really bored throughout <laughs> the acting is absolutely terrible it's standard. Well, it's like a I, light recommend. <laughs> I'm giving it a light recommend to the people that like zombie movies and like the first one. Anybody, so it's a light rec- recommend to a lot of horror people that will watch anything. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm giving a light recommend to people like me who will literally watch any horror movie that comes that comes by. I just imagine you like when you're reading 
like a synopsis of a movie or just like as soon as you get to the word zombie, you're just like sold. No, I no, I've cooled on zombie movies over the last year or so just because the market got flooded with so many zombie movies and I just got tired of them. I mean, it's just too much. So you had you had out for quite a long time though. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the first movie, and that's what made me want to see this one. And Ernie saw it back way, way back at I think Scream Fest. He reviewed it and he interviewed the directors. Uh, you can check that out on the site. So and he liked it. So I was like, oh, you know, I was interested. Uh, unfortunately, it's pretty much more the same. Mm. Mm. So the <laughs> Dead Two India. That'll be out on DVD and Blu-ray Tuesday. Ooh. Oh, boy. I got nothing else. Okay. I got nothing else. Uh, I don't think I have anything else either. All right. Let's talk about The Drop. Now, I didn't see this movie because uh, even though it's playing in 800 theaters this weekend, it didn't come out where I'm at. So we brought Ernie Trinidad back on the show. Ernie, how you doing? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I uh, got a synopsis here. Uh, Bob Saganowski finds himself at the center of a robbery gone awry and entwined in an investigation that digs deep into the neighborhood's past where friends, families, and foes all work together to make a living no matter the cost. This is directed by Michael R. Ruscombe, the guy who did Bullhead, the wonderful Bullhead. This stars Tom Hardy, Numi Rapace, James Gandolfini, um, Matthias Shown, Shown Arts, Shown Arts, the guy from Bullhead, <laughs> the guy from Bullhead's in it too, <laughs> and Rust and Bone, and Rust and Bone, another wonderful movie. Uh, so, what did you guys think of the drop, Ernie? Why don't we start with you? Um, being uh, going in, I had no idea what this was, and then I found out who directed it, and I loved Bullhead, one of my favorite movies of that year, and. Uh, but, okay, no questions asked. And I saw that it had Gandolfini in it, Tom Hardy. I'm like, okay, two great actors. So I'm like, okay, that should be good. End up loving it a lot. Um, probably one of the best Lee Hane movies to date. And Lee Hane actually wrote the, Dennis Lee Hane actually uh, wrote the screenplay and adapted it from a short story of his. So um, it's a really it's a slow burn, crime thriller. It just builds and builds and builds until it's a uh, subtle but epic conclusion. So. Oh, it's pretty damn good. I would agree. And uh, Adam, this is right up your alley because it starts off with Tom Hardy rescuing a pit bull from a yeah, trash no, can. I, yeah, I saw so that. So it's immediately, it's immediately like an eight out of ten for you. That's why I'm excited for that for that John Wick movie with Keanu Reeves. Have you guys seen the trailer oh, yeah, for that? I, yeah, I just saw the trailer for that too? the first time. I'm like, well, this is the first time I've been excited about a Keanu movie. I'm like, I gotta see this. That movie looks, first of all, it looks awesome. And secondly, the whole movie is about him getting revenge on on a group of people that killed his dog. Yeah. There's a, a lot of, so, a lot so of dogs far. this year. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of dogs. A lot of dogs being oh, used in narratives this year. That and doppelgangers. It's all about yeah. dogs and doppelgangers. <laughs> dogs and doppelgangers. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because I think the short story title is Animal Rescue. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, I do like, see oh, that. Yeah, I, think, right there, yeah. well, I think that was the original name of this film, wasn't it? That could be. I think Probably. so. I think so. Probably would have confused people. But then they changed it to the drop. 
generic, generic yes. name. Which plus uh, that coupled with the well, trailer they, for this but they, movie, but they drop the title in the movie about sixty times. They do, my goodness. <laughs> in the movie, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just funny that like yeah, the movie's called the drop is like yeah, we got to drop, feel the drop, get make a drop, and drop. <laughs> yeah, this is like nonstop chatter about drop bars, which is, I was a little worried about in the beginning because like to open the film, Tom Hardy gives you like a breakdown of how drop bars work. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is really basic. This is going to be bland. It's going to be terrible. But it surprisingly turns out really, really fantastic, mostly due to Tom Hardy's performance, which is like the main selling point of this movie. Yeah, there's like times where you forget you're looking at Tom Hardy and all you see is Bob. Yeah. Because you've seen Tom Hardy in so many different performances. So this is like so restrained. It's like normal guy. But you know, there's other things going on in that head, the brain of his. But like, it was just so, it was really good. Plus, just trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this guy, this character that he plays, because he's 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 different. He has no social skills whatsoever, like mm. almost none, devoid of any social skills. He's a very awkward person, which makes this character very interesting. Just to see, like, like I could have just spent all, yeah. But he's never had a dog before. He's completely befuddled yeah. by dogs, which is like a huge point of the movie. He just doesn't understand <laughs> what the fuck to do with the dog. And at first he thinks it's a boxer. Turns out it's a mm-hmm. pit bull. Yeah. They go dog Maybe. shopping. Well, you know, that's an easy mistake to make, especially if it's a puppy. Mm-hmm. Well, the fa- just the way he reacts to all the situations that pop up in this movie, and the main one being him finding a pit bull in a trash can. And just the way he the way he responds, it's almost like a dark comedy at times. And especially yeah. the final confrontation scene, the way he reacts to that, mm-hmm. it's just it's very bizarre. But, but it's a fantastic very I, cool at the same time. Yeah, especially I mean, in, man, in regards to the final confrontations. So. Oh man, it is but, cold. Um, that is a cold scene. Thoroughly but, engaging um, though, which is yeah. I think his performance is much better than Locke. Like, everyone was, you know, really going on and on about his performance in Locke. And I think that this one yeah. is by far and away well, much was, better. There he was mostly playing, it was all himself. That's when he was playing off other great actors. I mean, you have Numi Rapace was really good. James Gandolfini was really good. Uh, well, not really good. He was great. Um, Matthew Schwarnartz was good completely because I never did see Rustin Bowen. So all I remember is the big guy on Bullhead. And, uh, and then I guess the other one factor is John Ortiz as the the detective uh, following up on the, the robbery that uh, that um, begins the film or kind of starts off. So and he's, he was actually pretty good. I like that know. guy. So they, he's just surrounded by really good actors and had great people to play off of, and I think that just elevated him. So. Without a doubt. I mean, and I was I was uh, interested to see going in how the uh, American accents would work out. Oh yeah, and I, yeah. And, and I think everyone did a pretty fantastic job with him. Even it's, Matthias. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess even Matthias, was, man. This was New York, not Boston, right? Yeah, this too, this is yeah. Uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. even yeah. they they make it a point to you know point out that it's taken place in Brooklyn, but hell, it yeah. could have been any city. Yeah, makes you wonder if it actually took place in Boston in short. And they're saying like, no, nah, we can't do the accents. Yeah, we can't. We can't do another <laughs> Boston movie. Schoenart's my favorite line from this movie is he pops up in the bar and he asks if they have Zima. 
at one point. <laughs> he just walks in. He's yeah. like, hey, you guys got Zima? Like, <laughs> he's like, no, we're closed. Get out of here. So it sounds like there's some kind of co- com- comedy in this? There's, a, there's, there's some smattering of comedy in here. Yeah, hmm. it's, it's not like intended to be comedy, but there are funny, realistic human situations in here that, that come off as pretty funny. Um, Maybe so, they... so it's, it's a nice balance of comedy and drama. Maybe they set it in Brooklyn so they could make that awesome poster with the the gun and the Brooklyn Bridge. Because hmm. that poster's awesome. <laughs> not not so much. You don't think the poster's awesome? I like nah, it. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the poster. I like it. It's very generic. I don't know how it pertains to the movie. Does it, if it's relevant to the movie? But... It's relevant. There's a there's a gun used, and it's used quite effectively. I think there's a bridge. at one point in time there might be a bridge it should just be a picture that the the pit bull is what it should be well uh, so how how it's much it's it's difficult to talk about because it's this movie is just a really slow build-up to one scene to one final confrontation which is really difficult to talk about because you spoil the whole movie I mean, yeah. it's. I can see people not liking this one because it takes a long time to get where it's going. Mm. See that that intrigues me. I like yeah, that idea. It's intriguing all the way through from beginning to end. So you're like, so you're like, okay, you see these characters, you like you like these characters, cool. I like these characters. that you where this is going, and then as these new characters introduced and how they throw wrinkles into situations, like it's like you want to know how is this going to unfold. So then. Like when they when we finally meet uh, Matthew Schoenhardt's character Eric Eads, he shows up maybe what like twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, and and it was, there's no the character arc of that lasts the rest of the movie. So like, where is this going with this guy? <laughs> yeah, because he just pops up as the original owner of the pit bull that used hmm. to date Numi Rapace's character. Yeah, and he's and a bit then, he's a bit off balance. He's a bit uh, mentally unhinged, as they say. Hmm. Yeah, what'd you guys think of the visuals? Um, visually, it's almost standard fare. I mean, is that, it's yeah. not like they were going... Well, there were some instances where uh, uh, Roscon, Roscon, uh went for some uh, stylistic shots of when they were making the drops, like the camera would literally flip over upside down and follow the drop from the bar to the drop slot, and it would, like, mm. flip over in a circle, like... like uh, just falling out. I was like, okay, that was, I was like, well, that's kind of disorienting, but okay. It's kind of unnecessary as well. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have the cinematography that Bullhead had. There's none mm. of those beautiful shots with the ethereal lighting or anything. It's a, like Ernie said, it's very straightforward. The main thing that sort of ticked me off is that he likes to play with focus, whether there was long stretches where a character would be introduced to the scene, but they would be completely out of focus. For just a touch too long, mm. and then they would come into focus, and it was just—it was unnecessary. I don't know exactly what he was trying to do there, yeah. But I, could, I couldn't stand it. Hmm. So this is more for just—you're going to see this bad boy for the performances, mainly just Tom Hardy because he kills it in this movie. Yeah. Now, do you, or, do you, or or if you're a fan of the genre, then, yeah. If you're a fan of or not a theater, either, then you're probably better off seeing like, Dolphin Dale Two or something. <laughs> <laughs> or double feature, double feature, Dolphin Tail Two in the drop. 
Oh, that sounds. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like it'll work. <laughs> They're both about animals. Being well, do, you, do you guys think that this could be up for some awards? Awards consideration? Performance-wise, uh, I think it's possible. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if Lee Hanging gets a nod for screenplay, but it's still early. It's September, but it's crazy to say it's still early in the year because all the, the heavyweights are coming out in a matter of months. Right. But um, could, it's possible it could be forgotten, but it's but because you got from the director of Boyd behind it, you got Dennis Lee Haynes, screenplay, you got such a pedigree of winners, Emmy, Grand, uh, Golden Globe, Academy. Yeah, and uh, Bullhead was nominated so. for Best so. Foreign Language. I, I don't, I don't remember if it won, but yeah, I don't it was think nominated. It won. I, it was won, but I don't think it won, but I thought uh, it should have won. I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Hardy. Yeah, we, he's like but, turning it to uh, he's like McConaughey. He's like he's turning it everywhere and just churning out one good performance after another, but not enough people are seeing it. Well, yeah. well, that's that's the thing. Like usually, when an actor has a really standout year. And they have multiple movies that they're very strong in. They'll get nominated for at least one of those. I would hope so. I think this the, guy's been putting out steady work. Yeah, I mean, over he's, the last couple of years now, he everything I've ever seen him in, he's been good. I mean, even all the way back to uh, what was the first thing I saw him in Bronson. I think that was the first thing I saw him in. Either that or Rock and Rolla. I. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I saw that movie, but I don't remember him in that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, in, it's also very interesting. They, I don't know if actually, it just worked out this way or if they did something in the sense that in the scenes where Showing Arts and Hardy both appear, Hardy looks dwarfed by Showing Arts. Well, that dude's mm-hmm. huge. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's ridiculous. Like, I thought Tom Hardy was a big fucking guy. But Jesus Christ, he put Schoenarts next to him. Yeah. It's like he's miniature. Uh, <laughs> my new bowl standing next to Seth Green. <laughs> my new bowl. <laughs> Seth Green is tiny. <laughs> Seth Green is like five feet tall. That is the best comparison I've ever heard. My new bowl standing next to Seth Green. I want to see like, that. Like I want to see a buddy cop movie with those two. It <laughs> <laughs> would be fantastic. Oh I look forward God. to that. Someone make that happen. <laughs> Please. Uh, all right. So any final thoughts on the drop, guys? Um, if you're a fan of crime dramas, it's definitely, definitely worth a look. Um, especially the performances are like outstanding across the board. Um, yeah, I would definitely say uh, the fall movies started to come out. It was definitely one of the first ones to not see. Kevin? Yeah, I was definitely pleasantly surprised with this one. Uh like I said, Tom Hardy, his, the, the character that he creates here, I could have watched that guy for like four hours. He's just yep. completely captivating. And it's also interesting that Lahane's uh, script, the dialogue in it, you know, this is like lower class, like petty criminal type deals mm-hmm. going on here. And there's numerous times where Tom Hardy sort of goes into like philosophical areas, but they don't mm-hmm. make him... They don't make it outlandish like he's not eloquent. He doesn't have these big, grandiose ideas. He sounds like a real person well, when he goes into this. It's interesting you bring that up because there there are a lot of movies that take place in poor neighborhoods and lower class areas and stuff. And you're dealing with petty criminals. Yeah, and they all have but, a minor in fucking philosophy. Yeah, but then they, they, they're always the most... Uh, 
articulate yeah. people. Tom Hardy is not mm-hmm. that in here. He's 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 awkward. He's an awkward person, mm-hmm. and he's cold and calculating. All right. Well, what are you guys gonna give uh, the drop out of ten? I'll give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Kevin, what are you going to give the drop? I'm going to give the drop a 7. 7 out of 10. Well, it sounds like uh, i got to be looking for this. I, I imagine it'll be coming out in theaters at some point here. I mean, we got... It's so stupid. We got God Help the Girl. We got... <laughs> and it's like, okay, we got that. We got the Atlas Shrugged. Oh, three. yeah. Did you go see that? No. What, 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 I haven't seen a single one of them. No, they... they <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, Come on. Come on now. If we just get the weirdest movies here, I don't I don't understand. But at any rate, that's the drop. Go see it. It's playing in theaters now. Except where in you most close. theaters. <laughs> and it probably drops soon in the theater near you. There you go. <laughs> All right. Nice. Ernie, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us once again. No problem. Let's talk about Honeymoon. This came out. This came out on video on demand and select cities this weekend. I have a synopsis here. A newlywed couple finds their lake country honeymoon descend into chaos after Paul finds B wandering and disoriented in the middle of, of their first night. Not a great synopsis there. This is directed uh-huh. written and directed by Lee Janiak. Stars Rose Leslie and Harry Treadway. Now I wrote a. I saw this at South by this year, and you, you saw this a while ago. Yeah, back in March, and I wrote a review up on the site. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of Honeymoon? What did I think of Honeymoon? Oh boy, I think uh, it, I found it interesting. Not everything worked for me, but I did like the mixture of you know like relationship drama mixed with the secluded woods type horror. With I did, it's kind of hard because I don't know how much we can get into because it's a very, uh, it's kind of a, you know, it's pretty simple. Well, it's it's a tough movie because simple concept. It's one of these deals where it's such a slow burn that if you give away what happens in the final act, you're gonna ruin the movie for people. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. It's it's kind of tough to get into this one without spoiling anything but like i said I, I did find it interesting it's well-made film i was surprised by that like the look of it and everything oh yeah and the and the pacing i was pleasantly surprised i thought that this was going to be like a really low budget i don't know why i had that impression but first I was glad to find out that it wasn't first time director first time writer maybe, too maybe that's maybe that's what it was i was just figuring that this was going to be low budget well, i'm sure it was low budget but it looked it, it doesn't good. look it. Yeah. Yeah. It, looks it doesn't really look good. it. They uh they masked that quite well. The main problem that I had with with it was the inclusion of the other couple. Well, I I think that they wanted I to think that's I think they wanted to include that so that we could see that it's not an isolated incident, that it's happening to other people as well. I know, but I think that, that inadvertently took some of the mystery and well, and that's the thing. Like, if they didn't include that other couple, your imagination would, would run wild yes, about what's which, going on. Which I think would have been much better. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, leave me, leave me to my own devices, because I'm going to come up with weird-ass shit on my own. Yeah. 
But then it sort of sucked it out. And then towards the end, you know, when he, when Paul's character goes back and of course they have, you know, a high tech security system for whatever reason, that just, you know, it was too convenient. I thought. I, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought, I thought that it added to the mystery because once you see them and you know that something's not right and you see that, that security stuff, you're like, what the hell is going on here? Like that intrigued me more. I was mm. I was more into what was happening and wanted to figure out what was going on. Looking I back, you. I can you know I after you. after the end of the movie, I can look back and say, yeah, yeah, might might have been cooler if they weren't added. But at the time when I was seeing it in the theater, I was like, oh okay, now I really want to know what the hell's going on in this place. Now, uh, full disclosure, we did have Lee Janiak on the show. And she talked about the movie a little bit, and we, Ryan and I met her at South By and, and talked, and I, I like her quite a bit. I think she's really talented. She is really cool. I love the fact that f- the female directors are coming in and making horror movies, because I want more of that. I want more female directors <laughs> tackling horror. Yeah, kind of. it's much the same with like the science fiction genre. I'm getting tired of just the white male point of view absolutely it's just becoming redundant so basically anytime i see a horror movie directed by a woman i'm i'm gonna instantly be looking into that and seeing seeing what that's all about and the the other interesting thing was i talked to her about the issues i had with the movie which was i don't know if that was the first time that ever happened but uh, it was an awkward. What, 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 it was awkward. What were your What were your issues? Uh, my issues were that I th- I thought that the the characters, the couple, were they annoyed me to to no end. I thought that <laughs> the whole beginning part when when they first go to the cabin and they were just they're all over each other the whole time and the the way that they would do like the baby talk with each other and stuff. It just it drove me insane. Like it's just, it's I, much, I hated them. Too much sap for you. It was so. And when I when I was talking to Lee Janiak about this, I was like, I get it. I mean, that's probably how an, a newly married couple would be. But I don't want to see that. You, know? <laughs> you don't want to see. Like it, it, it shits yourself. Yeah, I mean, I just I found them to be annoying. I found the the two characters to be very annoying, and I had a problem with that. And just the way that they acted towards one another, it never. I don't know. It didn't. It, didn't it just feel, didn't mesh. It wasn't meshing. Didn't feel, didn't feel real for you. Didn't feel Maybe. real. It did seem a little bit um, over exaggerated in the uh, in the sap department. But I don't know if that was just to create the juxtaposition of when things start to go so poorly. Yeah. To make it, you know, such a huge shift, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like like you, I was kind of annoyed by the characters at first, but for me it didn't it didn't last long enough. You know? Like the bulk of the film wasn't them just drooling over each other. So wait, you wanted constantly. So you you were glad that it wasn't or you wanted more of that? No, I was glad that it wasn't. Uh, see, know, I, I, like th- th- yeah. I, I thought it was just too much. I never, I just never got the the feeling that they were a real couple. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. 
I did. I like the way that the whole the bizarre occurrences was handled. Oh, I thought that was great. Just, it just started out really slow, and then it just gets more. You know, gets starts going deeper into what the fuck territory mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without really explaining anything. And that was to me that was the problem that I had with it. I wish it it stayed more ambiguous. And um, it didn't really go into you know explaining what happened. Well, it's interesting because it it is the type of movie that I think you could draw some different conclusions about what was going on. I think that it 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 does leave some room for interpretation, even though it it on the surface seems mm-hmm. like you know what's happening, but which is you know which is and and that's what I don't know you know on on my end. Am I looking into this a bit too deep? You know what I mean? Am I dissecting this movie a bit too much because it's a female director and it's from the standpoint of a female character? So I'm imagining that there's more going on here than maybe there is. I don't know. But I I saw it all as her not wanting to have children. There's little clues at the beginning about the whole... Because everything takes a term after the the womb statement that Paul has mm-hmm. the the next morning, the following morning. And she's already lost a bit of herself becoming married because now you're a couple. You're not really, you're not a full individual like you used to be. And then when you have children, all that shit's out the window. You're barely even a person anymore. Yeah. I don't you're know. You're just a caretaker. I, I, I think you could probably look at it different different ways. I'm sure that there was a specific, you know, mess. And plus you get into the weird stuff towards the end there which man that was unsettling well that was a, i was gonna ask you about that next what do you think about that <laughs> that it, that scene at the end <laughs> oh my god dude when she's just the worst part of it is when she's just sitting in the bathroom just nonchalantly going about whatever she's trying to do is just god damn that was unnerving yeah that, that's, <laughs> that yeah. was like <laughs> And then he helps out. It does. It, it does just, get into some body horror territory. Yeah, it does. If you so, if you're squeamish when it comes to body horror movies, maybe mm. uh, just just be prepared for that. It it gets it very unsettling. Yes, very much so. Overall, though, I will. I do recommend Honeymoon, even though I was not big on the actual characters in this movie. I would definitely recommend it. I did like the little the little nuances in the script, like when he's trying to draw out answers from her about their past and stuff, and how she's saying we don't remember. I thought that that was a nice little touch. Just adds a bit to the to the air of mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So and, and <laughs> when she hides him, <laughs> oh boy, that was something. I I enjoyed uh, Harry Treadaway's response all that was happening during that sequence <laughs> yeah shit, <laughs> poor guy shit, shit gets real for him <laughs> it gets real oh boy ryan did not wasn't that into this movie ryan wasn't liking it he wasn't into it he's it was funny because his response to most of the movies we saw at south by this year was eh, it was all right yeah eh, it was all right I, th- I do enjoy that it takes a fucking lot but actually a little to move him. Yeah. Like he's very it, specific. It has to be just the right thing in order for him to actually open it up and talk about a movie. And it was funny because 
this year it was just me and him. So I was just trying to just trying to have a conversation about the movie we just saw. And it was like pulling teeth with him. <laughs> He's not having it, dude. He's too busy staring at his crotch. Yeah. He's too busy looking on Facebook obsessively. All right. So I gave Honeymoon a... Sorry, I didn't have it up. Six and a half out of ten. What are you going to give Honeymoon? I'd probably go the same. Like six, six and a half. I'd say it's a light recommend. I found it interesting. It was a pleasant surprise. Good. It was but a good I'm debut defi- for sure. Yeah, I, I'm very I'm definitely. I'm definitely interested. Yeah, to I, see I'm, more. I'm really interested to find out what what uh, Lee Janiac is going to be doing next because she's really awesome. She's got great ideas. I think that she is going to go on to do some really really cool things, and I'm a big fan of hers. So. All right, let's move on and talk about some predictions. We, last week, did no good deed. You said 50, I said 42, actual 12. Did so, you, what's, what's going on with this thing? Uh, did you hear about the, uh, how they pulled the early screenings for this? Because they sent out a, a press release saying that, or a statement saying that there's a shocking twist at the mm-hmm. end, and they didn't want to give it away. They didn't want critics to give away oh, the shocking it. twist. Oh, man. So they pulled the early press screenings of this, which, you know, that translates to this, this movie is going to be terrible, and critics are going to hate it. And the um, I, I saw a, a tweet from one of, the, uh, one of the people that I'm in the Florida Film Critics Circle with, and he said that he saw it and the twist happens about half an hour in and it's not even good. It's stupid. And you can see it a mile away. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, you know, that's that's shitty. I like Idris Elba a whole lot. But, hey, you know, actors can have missteps. Yeah, they, they make mistakes all the time. Could have been a cool script. I don't know. Dolphin Tale 2. You said 14, I said 24, actual 73. Yeah, I didn't notice that like people actually think these are good. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like when we had Ryan watch it, the, the first one, I was thinking, oh, this is probably terrible. And then I look it up and, man, it's actually got a pretty high rating. 82% for the first one. Yeah, I didn't look that up either. That's, wow. All right. People liking the dolphins. Nothing wrong there. I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it, but it just looks so bad. Not yeah. really, I mean, the, everything about it looks bad. I don't I don't know. Maybe I maybe I need to see it at some point just to You you just you're, you're such a cold person. Well, I don't think that's the case. I like <laughs> I like a lot of kids movies. Do you? Well, the animated Do ones. You? Yeah. <laughs> the animated ones, sure. <laughs> I'm going to watch, uh, I decided that I'm going to watch Small Soldiers today. Remember Small Soldiers? Yeah, I remember I'm going to rewatch that because I haven't watched that in, since it was in the theaters, like years and years ago. That's a kid's movie. That should work out for you. Yeah, we'll see. All right, next week we have The Maze Runner. Run some mazes. Oh, Gonna oh run boy. some mazes. Running mazes. Man. What are you thinking on this one? Young adult? Uh, it looks like every other one. <laughs> yep, it's ever existed. Dystopian future in the where, world where where kids seem to be the key to 
saving just, the world. I, I just love that like almost every single young adult book is just so dark and miserable. It is. Yeah, they just, are. It's just no future. Unbelievable. Very bleak. Yeah, all those mm-hmm. all those young adult <laughs> books are very bleak. Just with kids dying and or killing each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say like a 46. 46. Okay. I will say, I think this is by a first time writer and director. Well, that's a good sign. I'll say 42. Now we also have a walk among the tombstones with Liam Neeson. I like that title. You do or you don't? I like that title. This is based on a but book. Then I, then I see Liam Neeson, and I'm like, oh, it's he's just like the older version of Jason Statham now. Well, this one this one actually looks much darker than what he's done previously. This one looks a little different. It, of course, has the same, a very similar plot, but it looks just a whole lot darker. I mean, it almost looks like it's going into horror movie territory. Oh, boy. I might actually check this out then. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I think it looks interesting. I will say sixty two on. Well, you know we're getting into, we're getting into that time where yeah, I'll, I'll stick with sixty two. Whatever. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I don't um, think it's gonna be that high, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna go a bit higher. I'm gonna say seventy. Oh wow. I'll say 70. Okay. Uh, we also have The Box Trolls. Oh, boy. Very excited for this one. There you go. Kids movie. And I'm extremely excited for it. So, so there. I even see kids movies in you, the theater. You don't, you don't even do you, that. I don't know. I do not You're do like, that. You're like, fuck that. I don't want to see that kids I'm, movie in the theater. I don't want to be sitting in a theater with a bunch of kids. Well, that's why you... You try to pick. Kids. You try to pick a good time to go. There's no good time. Box trolls. What do you Did think? I go first? I'm going to 82. Box trolls. I think that this is going to be great. I saw a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that they put out on this. It looks amazing. It's all stop motion. You know, this, isn't this uh, Leica? Mm-hmm. Like Leica or what? I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, it's the same people that did Coraline and Paranorman. Oh yeah. So I want to see that immediately. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be awesome. So I'll say eighty-five on that. Also next week, it's hitting limited release, I believe, but we'll go ahead and predict it anyway. Kevin Smith's Tusk comes out. I haven't heard any good things about this. I've seen middle middle of the road stuff. It, I mean, it just premiered. It's at uh, TIFF, I think. So there's not a whole lot of reviews coming out for it yet. But it seems like some people are liking it. Some people are not liking it. I, so, sometimes with Kevin Smith, I, f- I feel like sometimes critics are a little bit too harsh on him because of his previous comments that he has, has said about oh, critics. He's constantly flip-flopping with critics. Yeah, I think that... Saying that there's scum, and then, oh, critics are okay, and... Yeah, I honestly honestly think that some critics may take that, those comments personally. They might. And, because I don't know how Tusk is going to be, but it looks interesting. It looks kind of funny, 
And I like the idea of Kevin Smith doing a horror movie. I didn't hate Red State when it came out. I thought it was interesting. It looked visually, it looked awesome. <laughs> but that being said, I think Tusk is going to get maybe like a 58. Oh, that's what I was going with. <sighs> okay. Let's say 56. Okay. I hope it's good. I was a huge fan of Kevin Smith. I mean, Kevin Smith is one of the directors that got me into movies, you know, indie movies. When with Clerks, I just, when I saw that movie for the first time, it was like, it just cracked, cracked the lid wide open on the concept of indie movies. I, you know, wasn't really familiar with it back then. So I, I want him to make good movies. I want him to succeed. Well, he's making it tough for it. Yeah, recently. <laughs> Uh, in limited release next week, we have Space Station 76, which I saw at South by. I liked it quite a bit. You'd, you'd probably like that one. Very. Oh, would I? Very, very quirky, absurd movie. Very, very I like, weird. I like absurdity. Well, it's it's written and directed by uh, Jack Plotnick from Raw. There we go. That's right. That's right. Now I remember. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. It's, that one looks interesting. Yeah, it, it could it's based on a play too that, that he also wrote and directed. So uh, mm-hmm. we also have This Is Where I Leave You with Jason Bateman and is Tina Fey Tina Fey's in that, I think. Yeah. There's a bunch of people in this one. Looks like you're kind of typical indie dramedy. Oh my god, does it ever about a group, it group of estranged family members getting together after uh, a death in the family. Wow, cool? I've never I've never heard that yeah. before. Hmm. And they all that have their sounds... struggles with each other, and then they come together well, at the end and realize that they love each other. Well, naturally. From the director of Real Steel I'll, and the internship. I don't know about the internship, but I, I did like Real Steel. Surprise! I was so surprised with that one. That that was one where like. It was a um, compromise watch where I agreed to go see this movie with my girlfriend if she agreed to go see another one with me. Yeah. And so I went to see Real Steel, and I actually liked it a lot. So. Huh. Surprising. Surprisingly. Um, anyway, Tracks also comes out in limited release. I'm interested in that one. I'm not. I want to see that one. I heard good things. I'm, I'm sure it's quite good. Heard nothing but good things, but... Uh, yeah, not uh, not too interested not, for some reason. Not, not your cup of tea? Yeah, I don't know. I, I might check it out. Also, the Zero Theorem. I, I feel like every week we talk about the Zero Theorem. Why? When is this going to be done? <laughs> when, is, when will this but, just go doesn't away? That, doesn't it seem like that happens every, every year? At least have once a movie. month, there's a, there's a movie that I feel like I mention every single week. We can't get away from it. It's just everywhere, all the time. And then next week I'll be like, and next week on Blu-ray and DVD, the Zero Theorem. <laughs> it just never ends. It's it's never going to end. Next week on Video on Demand, we have From Above. Not sure what that is. A Life in Dirty Movies. It's a documentary that I'll be checking out probably. The Scribbler. Oh, The Scribbler. I'm interested that in that is... one. I, I we got a screener for that one, so I'll be. Oh really? I'll be giving that one a look. Yeah, um, it looks interesting, but I, I just 
I don't know. I don't know about the execution. We'll, we'll have to see. It does, it does sound interesting. I think it's based on a graphic novel, too, so that's always a, a little bit of a plus. Man. Autumn Blood? Again, I'm, I don't know what that is, either. Autumn and, Blood. Yeah, I don't know what that is. And Life's a Breeze. So not, not, a, great, not a great VOD week. No, not really at all. DVD and Blu-ray next week. This is this is better. There's some good stuff here. The battery is coming out finally on Scream Factory. Scream Factory Ooh. is putting this out. I will be picking this up because it features a. It has a uh, feature-length documentary on okay. the making of the battery. And apparently, when they made that movie, they just had problem after problem, and it was like a f- nightmare to get that movie made. So. I I'm gonna pick up the Blu-ray just to watch that documentary. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool that Scream Factory's putting it out right off the bat. It's got a really cool cover, and I'm sure it's gonna include all kinds of really cool bonus features and stuff in addition to the documentary. Uh, we also have Burt's Buzz. Burt's Buzz. Not too interested in that. I do use Burt's Bees. Uh. Uh, facial cleaners i love them so just another just another unnecessary documentary yeah yeah i just said we gotta have documentaries for like every company and every person and every genre of something and it just won't end adam well it won't end yeah you're right i can't wait till they come out with like the mountain dew documentary oh boy the history of mountain dew (laughs) Or the squirt documentary. The squirt documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see like the kids' cuisine documentary. <laughs> <laughs> like these. Oh, Lord have mercy. We also have the Dead Two, India, The Fault in Our Stars. You gonna be checking that one out? Fault in Our Stars. Uh, I, I probably actually will. Wow, so sorry. Uh, yeah. Godzilla. Big release. Uh, think like a man. Two T O O. And finally, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4K restoration. Uh, uh, I'd like to see. I, I want to see that. I did see. I'm, I'm waiting for the 5K. Okay. I'm waiting for the 5K. Another year or so. I don't think it would go. F- I don't think it would go 5K though. I know you were joking, but Wait, I think it would probably go 6K? 8K. Go 8K. Pro- I think. I'm, I'm waiting for 8K then. Okay. Well, what I'm wondering is, I'm assuming that this Blu-ray, so it was like a 4K restoration, but I'm wondering if the actual Blu-ray is presented in 4K. I don't, I don't even know if they offer 4K Blu-rays. I don't know how that works. Hmm. Like if it is optimized for 4K televisions, or if the original transfer they did was in 4k and then this is just like the blu-ray it's it gets confusing with all these different formats and whatnot yeah it's a bit much either way i heard from people that saw this in the theater the the 4k version that it looks amazing so now that's something that i wish i would have been able to oh my god i've never i never saw this in the theater and i would i think they would be awesome to see this in the theater the 4k version i think ernie saw it and just 
it'd probably scare the shit out of me, honestly. Because mm-hmm. every time I, I've seen that movie so many times, and every time I see it, it scares the shit out of me. It it leaves me so unsettled. Yes, it's oh my god, it's such an unsettling movie. Yeah, I don't think I've even come close to being disturbed as much as I was watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I agree. Yeah, I think it's one of it's, it is one of the best horror movies ever made and i'm so glad that they that people are giving it the attention that it deserves as far as keeping it preserved and restored and all that stuff and i I hope that they do that with more horror movies i'd love to see evil dead get a nice 4k restoration That'd that'd be cool but uh that's all i got are there any criterions or anything oh there's big daddy there's big daddy blu-ray and that's david lynch's racer head Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, out on Criterion. I remember. Oh, remember we tra- this is a 4K, 4K digital restoration. Oh boy, supervised by David Lynch. Did you see David Lynch's Ice Bucket Challenge? I did. <laughs> David Lynch is a person that could just say anything. I know because his voice immediately makes me laugh. I would love to see the David Lynch Ice Bucket Challenge is great, but I would love to see John Waters do it. The Ice Bucket Challenge. He he would probably do it in a very funny way as well. He would he, he would, would dump like a bucket his of shit would, on himself. <laughs> yeah, his would his would be trashy, kitschy, be fantastic. So have you you and Eraser I? Head, man. So you and I attempted to watch Eraserhead many years ago. I don't know if you remember. I remember a huge hoopla. We tried to watch it at your mom's house. We ended up turning it off. Yes. Have you Didn't seen the full thing since then? I have, and I remember almost nothing about it. I remember attempting to watch it one other time since then, but I don't know if I finished it or not. I remember specific scenes from the movie, but I remember very little, except for the fact that I didn't like it. <laughs> I remember that I didn't like it. You know, you know that full well. Yeah, you know, it's like one of those movies that you're kind of ashamed to say that you didn't like, sort of like you in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, I'm not ashamed at all. Well, you should be. <laughs> I'm never ashamed to say I don't like a movie. I shouldn't be. God damn it. Mm, you're right, but I am. I'm Because I'm a huge fan of David Lynch, too. So to say I wasn't a big fan of Eraserhead, you know, I don't know. It was like back when I first saw, I got the Criterion for Slacker, and I watched it, and I didn't like it at all. And I thought that there was just something wrong with me. Like, I should, I should like this movie. Everybody likes this movie. Why don't I? But anyway. I I understand going through that. Makes sense. I, I do need to... I need to see this. I need to revisit this bad boy. I, yes, I would like to do that too. Especially the... See it on Blu-ray. I don't remember what format I saw it in. But I think it was like a really shitty format. It's like VHS oh, sure. or something. So. Yeah, it was bad. I do remember it being bad. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin, and at filmmavenblog. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. I figured it out before everyone. Ha ha ha. I win.